0: Okay, hello. Welcome to another episode of Chats Faction. We're gonna talk about Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, we already talked about Game of Thrones.
0: Oh
1: um, this, is ch- this is Chats Faction. It is. I have I'm the, the right show. So- yeah,
0: so we're not we talking about Game of Thrones
1: No, unless you want to
0: Uh, feel like let it out man done
1: Let it out man Feel Are you like enjoying you enjoying guys-
0: the season. Am I enjoying the season? Mm-hmm um, I am. It's different and I feel like the meticulous almost patience of the story is kind of gone at this point. And I know that's a combination of like big things are happening and everyone's coming together, and also George R. R. Martin isn't like structuring what they're showing us. Yeah. So it's great because man, we get to see all this cool shit, but I feel like it's lacking that very nice quality that some of the seasons had. Um, but I don't care because it's still good. But you know.
1: I, I think I'm okay with it because I'm ready for the show to be over. Like I just want to see how everything plays out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the pacing of the show was fun at first and then I think season five, I was like, All right, I get it. Can we can we move on to something else now? Like mm-hmm. I really am just like wanting it to wrap up. Cool. So.
0: Well, good news is it's the second to last season. Bad news is the last season's probably going to air in like 2019.
1: <laughs> That's a real bummer.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a while. I'm not getting my hopes up. I mean, you figure this season is ending summertime 2017. Yeah. If we're lucky, we get it Christmas 2019.
1: You mean 2018?
0: 2018, yes. Sorry, I was yeah. completely wrong. That would that'd be. That's if point. we're unlucky. If we're unlucky, we get a Christmas 19.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Jesus! I don't want to jinx us. Anyway, not here to yeah. talk about Game of Thrones.
1: You can talk about whatever you want. Nah, How man. you been? I've been this good. Is Richard, this is Richard what? Dove, by the way. Everyone. Oh,
0: hello. I'm Richard Dove. I'm not Sam. This yeah. is this is Keith Silverman.
1: Yeah, that's me.
0: Um, I've been great, man. Uh, I have I've just been, you know, kind of doing my day to day thing and uh, still uh, still playing Zelda.
1: Yeah, I heard you playing it before you came on the uh, on the computer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, I'm on the train an hour every day, so I've just been like getting Korok seeds and like doing side quests. I I got all the shrines done. Oh um, shit!
1: I haven't even done that.
0: Yeah, that was great, but. I loved solving the puzzles so much that like when they were all done, I felt like part of the game was just gone because I had, yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't. So, so weirdly enough and not to get too much into it, but I did two of the divine beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't do the other ones because I realized they were like really big, important story uh, missions. Yeah. and I was I, by that point, I I was like, man, I gotta savor the game, so I'm not gonna go through these. And I've been doing like all this side quests and all the shrines, and I realized that was stupid because you get these really cool powers from doing those quests.
1: Yeah, from doing
0: <laughs> the divine beasts, and I should have yeah. fucking like, wait a minute, there's an ability that allows me to like revive and get an extra heart, and I haven't had that for probably a hundred hours of gameplay. That's yeah, stupid. <laughs>
1: Yeah, none of them are like, you don't need any of them to no. progress at all, but it, they're nice to have. Oh,
0: yeah. So, so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do these, because I, I play mostly in handheld mode. I, I don't mm. really play docked too often, but yeah. I insist on doing the story missions docked, because I want to see them on a big TV, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I had like this afternoon, and I was like, you know what, after I finished Defenders, I was like, I, you know, I'm just going to go do the Divine Beasts. So I just docked it and started playing, and it was a lot of fun. So.
1: Cool. Are you going to still play Horizon tomorrow?
0: Yes, yes. I'm doing. I'm on the final Divine Beast now, and then once that's done, I'm going to start Horizon. I'm actually probably going to start Horizon tonight when we're done recording and then play, oh, cool. play tomorrow as well. So and, uh, Stick with
1: it because for me, the beginning of the game was a bit rough to get through. Uh-huh. Because I don't like, like I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I don't like when, when a game, you know, a game is a big open world, but the beginning is so structured because they want to get you like in the narrative. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the beginning of the game is very linear. Okay. Um, so just stick with it because right. I think it gets really good pretty quickly gotcha. after like an hour or so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I figure like a lot of the, everything I've seen about it, you know, looks like it'll tickle my fancy. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, at the same time, the Uncharted expansion comes out Tuesday. Yeah. And I will be getting it because like, I had the deluxe version or whatever that just came with it. So mm-hmm. I'm like, shit, I could, instead of starting Horizon Tomorrow, I could probably finish Tomb Raider or Titanfall if I really put my mind to it. Yeah. So I feel are you, like... Are you just
1: mean the campaign in Titanfall? Yes yeah it's really short you could finish that
0: yeah i was a couple hours in and i was enjoying it and you know i think destiny got in the way that's usually what happens when it comes finished um yeah so i actually think now that we're talking about it i'm gonna put a a hold off on horizon and try and get through these play uncharted Mm -hmm. shit and then destiny comes out in like a couple weeks
1: you could, if you're gonna play Horizon and exclusively play Horizon, you could probably finish it by the time Destiny comes out. You think so? Because Uncharted is only a few hours. It's probably like an eight-hour game.
0: I yeah, think. but like I'm really excited to play it. So yeah,
1: I'm just saying it's not as much of a time yeah. commitment as.
0: But, but like, what I'm trying to avoid is investing time into something, and then like you, like you said, it takes a little while for Horizon to hook you. Right, mm-hmm. but just keep going so what I don't want to do is like not get hooked and then go play something else because I'll never touch it again that's what yeah. happened with Shadow of Mordor like I should have loved that game it was Lord of the Rings combined with Assassin's Creed and the Batman combat system and like mm-hmm. I never came close to finishing
2: it so
1: yeah me neither I bought it and I probably played it for like an hour but I was stupid because I played it right after I beat Arkham Night and oh, the combat in that game is so tight, and the combat in uh, Shadow, Shadow Border is yeah. pretty—it's pretty loose. It's um, loose. To give a yeah, yeah. So it didn't—it didn't catch me. I would like the nemesis system, but uh, it wasn't enough to hold me. But the new one looks good. The new yeah. one looks really good. I don't like the <sighs> microtransactions that they're doing. It doesn't make any fucking sense for a single-player game. But no, what are you gonna do?
0: Doesn't. But that's the did world you, we live
1: in. Did you see that Camille Nanjiani is one of the orcs?
0: <laughs> yes. I, was, I didn't see any of like, I don't know if they, like, I didn't watch a trailer. Like, I didn't see any cutscenes of him delivering dialogue, but I hope it's oh, just exactly like he actually is, which is just weird and kind of awkward.
1: So yes and no, like the orc that he plays is trying to be really tough and so he, he does like a voice for it but then immediately retreats and it's like oh my god i'm sorry was that scary enough like he does <laughs> like he is playing himself but he's also like trying to be intimidating and just failing
0: oh have you seen big sick speaking of him
1: not yet i want to real bad
0: very good very good adriana would like it um you guys should go on date night go see it because it was pretty good I, we
1: had a we had plans to go do that a few times but ended up not doing it for whatever reason
0: yeah i think actually it's probably going to be on dvd and blu-ray in like a few weeks so i don't know but it was yeah. good aubrey and i went and saw it and liked it a lot so good job yeah, I've, heard, mail.
1: I've heard exclusively good things about it,
0: mm-hmm. it was good that's good mm-hmm. it was like one of those stories that the the way that i summarize it is every now and then you see a movie and you're just like, that was obviously written. I mean, they tell you at the end of it, but it was written by someone who experienced it. Like you can mm-hmm. come up with an original thought for a screenplay, but there's something about someone who goes through a very personal experience that changes who they are. And then they turn that into a piece of work, whether it's a book or a movie. Um, and there's this level of uh, authenticity and like sincerity in it. mm mm-hmm. And I feel like that was one of those movies and it's because it's all pretty much happened. So it was good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, that's, uh, that's pretty much, pretty much it for me. How how are things going for you? Getting excited for the move in the fall?
1: I, I am. Uh, I'm, I was in the process of, uh, clearing out like some of my, some of the stuff, that I don't want to hang on to. So like I, I went through my games and I was like, I'm going to get rid of these because I'm either never going to touch them again or I just don't want the clutter. Yeah. And we're moving. Um, and I was going through my comic books. Uh. And I, was like, I went through and I was like, here's, I just pulled out like a bunch of shit. Like I'm never going to read these again and I don't care. And then I found a bunch of books that I started and never like continued. So I was like, oh shit, I'll, th- I'll just add these to my reading list.
0: Were you talking uh, like trades, like yeah,
1: like trades, like okay. series that I started and never like continued with. All right. Um, so, in the process of getting rid of books, I've also been buying books. So I'm kind of <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a, you're it's it's like walking up a down escalator. You're putting yeah, exactly. in the work, but you're not really getting anywhere.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I could I could just wait a few months, but now i i'm getting back into comics pretty hard which is a pretty good segue into what i actually want to talk about tonight which is game of thrones books we talked about game of thrones i'm sorry (laughs) um comic books comic books it's a good one to talk about because i feel like well comic books have been part of my life for a while but i feel like you and i got into them super hard at the same time which is Mm -hmm. when dc started their new 50 new 52 run of comics yeah like rebooted their whole universe like blew up all the continuity and like started all the books back at number one and changed all the creative teams on all the books and basically let whoever was working on the books at the time decide what continuity stays and what gets tossed and just to me it gave everyone kind of a blank check to We want you to make your, do your own story and work on characters that you're excited about without the chains of continuity. Mm -hmm. And I think that pissed a lot of people off because there's a lot of people that love continuity. Um, But I personally liked it because it freed a lot of creators up to do some fun shit with with some of those characters. Yeah. And uh, I guess it doesn't matter anymore because they blew it all up and reverted it back (laughs) into that's comics, man. It's like the world
0: explodes and then it doesn't, it's back to normal.
1: But yeah, I think we both got back into them super hard at that point. Yeah. So,
0: so hey, I do you remember? Like your I was I was th- I was trying to think about comics today to to mm-hmm. prep for this. Do you remember the very first comic book you ever got or ever read?
1: I don't remember the first comic book I consciously read and retained. Mm-hmm. I just remember as a kid flipping through a bunch of like Batman, Superman comic books mm-hmm. and like being in love with the art. So I would always, like, copy from those books as yep. a kid, just, like, doodle those. Um, but the fr- I read, like, a few, like, Batman comics. Mm-hmm. And then I was starting to get out of it in high school. And then the thing that got me back into comics and, and made me read them the way I read them now is Preacher. So I would say that Preacher really is, like, the thing that got me into comic books as a whole. Like, wholly got me into them.
0: And then... I believe you and Sam touched on this. Like, was it two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. You talked a lot about Preacher. Yeah, was that the first like graphic novel you ever like bought in collected form? Do Do you remember?
1: Like? I I owned graphic novels before then because I owned like Dark Knight Returns. Um, before that, yeah, and a few other things. I think like Death in the Family. I didn't. It wasn't much. It was just a few books, and I never thought about it as I never even gave a thought to like, I'm going to go get these monthly or I want to have this big sprawling comic book collection. It was just like, I like Batman and I had a few Batman books. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, preacher was, was the one that started. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy all these. And then, Oh shit. There's other books like this that aren't superheroes that have like these fucking filthy swear words in it and do racy shit. Like have somebody face down and talk to God and, and make them accountable for all the crazy shit that's happened. Um, you know, you go from that and then you, you find Grant Morrison, and then you're like, oh, this is on another level. I'm not ready for this shit yet. And then you got to like pull way back and find some stuff that's on your level, and then you work up to Grant Morrison.
2: Yeah.
0: The first. But yeah. The, I remember the first graphic novel I ever got. And by graphic novel, I mean like a collection of single issues that was just mm-hmm. in one book. Yeah. I think. The year was... And I'm older, everyone. I was born in 81, all right? Mm -hmm. I'm an old man. I just (laughs) turned 36. So, it was... I think it was 1989. I think that was the year. Mm Might have been 90. But it was 89 or 90. I'm guessing 89. And it was Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first...
1: Oh, shit.
0: The first story they wrote. And it was black and white, right? There was no color. And that was essentially the storyline that was adapted into the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie uh-huh. that we all know, like the first one, which I stand by. It's like a really good movie. I love I it. love that movie.
1: It's it's so, it has silly parts, but it's really oh, good. It's so
0: good. It's, ah, it's so good. But anyway, so well, like there are shots from that movie, like when they're driving away from April O'Neil's and it's burning down her apartment uh, and it's mm-hmm. burning down that are like straight out the comic. <gasps> Um,
1: excuse me. No, we're not doing that tonight. She was
0: just saying hi to me? Don't worry about it. But I remember like getting it as a kid and reading it. And at the end of it, they have a showdown with shredder and mm-hmm. like all four turtles were just f- fucked up and covered in blood at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. look at shredder. Shredder is like covered in pointy things that stab people
2: yeah. and
0: they fought him and they got totally wrecked. Um, and the foot soldiers in the comic were robots. They were people. So, like, they got murdered. <laughs> like, that, was, that yeah. was a violent book. Um, yeah. So yeah the, book remember... is,
1: the book was like a satire on Daredevil at the time. Yeah. So it took Which it place. To Fra- Which Frank places. Miller was
0: doing Daredevil, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so odd that, like, that's what became Teenage Mutant. Like, that's how it all started. Yeah. That it was essentially a satire of Daredevil. And I never yeah. knew that until, like, a year ago. And that blew yep. my mind. I was like, a Holy year ago, shit. really? It was not that long. Maybe two. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> like wow. it was not that long. <laughs> That's new information for me.
1: Well, you you wouldn't know based off of like how the turtles are presented now and, and yeah. have been presented for a while. But yeah, that original run, I think it would shock people how dark it is. Yeah,
0: but I never read Frank Miller's run of Daredevil. But um, yeah, but that was the first graphic novel I owned. I remember being like, wow, this, this is like. This is pretty, like, I, I felt like it, the violence was more than I should have been reading at the time, but like it yeah. was Ninja Turtles, so my parents didn't know, and I didn't yeah. want to tell them, so I just, it was awesome. But, yeah. and then in the early 90s, from there, I went to like X Men and I got into Marvel. 'cause like mm-hmm. Wolverine was such a cool character and he looks so cool and he's got the claws and like visually that around that time Jim Lee kind of revamped the X Men.
1: Yeah. I was gonna ask if you were reading Jim Lee's run.
0: No, I didn't like by the time I was buying a monthly, which I think I started buying monthly in like ninety two, mm-hmm. maybe ninety one. I think Jim Lee was off at that point. Yeah. Um But it was around that time. Like, I remember his visuals clearly. Like, that cover of X-Men 1 with, like, Wolverine and his arms out and Cyclops is behind him. And he's got, like, that was, like, Cyclops with the blue costume with the yellow underpants. Like, that version of (laughs) X-Men. Yeah. Like, Cyclops, (laughs) for some reason, had, like, I remember, and I didn't realize this until I was older. Like, one thing that made superheroes look really cool is having, like, belts and straps with like tiny little pouches of things in them. Kind of like yeah, Batman's that utility belt. Yeah, that they
1: never fucking used. Yeah. Why
0: would Cyclops have a bunch of pouches on them? Like all he yeah. does is open his eyes and shoot people, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that didn't make sense, but it looked cool.
0: It looked awesome. And it like went like up his chest for some reason and over his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but like, yeah. So around that time, I got real big into X-Men and um, Spider-Man as you- well. Spider-Man when you're a kid is fantastic.
1: I think Spider-Man is just fantastic for everyone because that there's something about that design that's just fucking simple brilliance that I mean like it's, it's endured over the ages. Even the, the most modern takes in the movies, they still close. So very closely resemble that. Yeah. But they don't really stray from it too far. Mm-hmm. I think it is the best design superhero costume, like hands down. Um, yeah. That stuff is good. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's tougher as a Batman fan. That's, that's a hard truth for me to admit, but yeah. like other than Batman's cape and his ears, like, and the kind of the logo on his chest, like sometimes he had underpants, sometimes mm-hmm. his, his, you, you know, utility belt was yellow. Some,
1: even the, even the logo has changed so much. I mean, yeah. Like, like, there, was, like so a many variations. Black
0: there was like the, the Michael Keaton yellow Batman chest. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like I never thought about that. Like Spider-Man really hasn't changed at all for the most part. And yeah. I don't know what how many it's like sixty years at this point or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when you're a kid, like Spider-Man, like yeah, I don't, I have no desire as an adult to read Spider-Man. Like I'll yeah. always watch the movies they put out, and they're fun. But like when you're a kid, I don't know. Spider-Man is just so appealing for some reason. Mm-hmm. A lot, like more than other. Well, because he's a kid,
1: like like us. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was a big part of it.
0: He's colorful, and he's like his powers are really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a pr- as far as Marvel characters go, he's got a really good rogues gallery. Yeah, of villains, and I feel like that's a lot of things that Marvel heroes are lacking. They do great heroes. boys. Um, Spider Man yeah. had some awesome villains, so
1: that's what's funny about daredevil he is he's such a cool character and he's, he's so awesome he's the and i feel he like he does and i feel like frank miller was kind of boxed into well we got to make this guy fucking edgy as shit because and like make him dark and have all the shit that he's battling all the time of like, and like dating women who are clearly bad for him and just constantly making bad decisions because his villains are trash. <laughs> They're fucking garbage. And you people like, anything like
0: to distract from the guy he's fighting.
1: Yeah. People have done like fun stuff with the fact that, that his villains suck. Like I think Mark Wade did a really good job
0: of. Oh yeah. Mark and yeah. Mark Wade and Sammy's run of daredevil is so good. And you're yeah. right, like, they would take, like, what was, the, was it was Mole Man? Is that the guy? There was, like, a mole villain. Who was well,
1: it? Yeah, Mole Man was from Fantastic Four, but, yeah, they used him in uh, one of the Daredevil. And he's, story. like, the and, like, dumbest
0: like, villain, but he had a pretty good Daredevil run in that arc. Like, his arc was pretty yeah. good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Stilt, Man, Stilt Man was the one where I was like, I can't believe Mark Wade incorporated this in a way that makes sense. <laughs>
0: I mean that's a good writer though, they, they you yeah. know they look at the the trickiest thing and try to boil it down to its kind of most basic essentials and make it work and I, I feel like that's something that Mark Way does really well. Um, yeah. like what I don't know, but so I. We you, you know we were talking about X Men before, and mm-hmm. I was huge in the X Men. They had the animated series in the in the '90s, which yeah. like did not age well. I went back and rewatched it when I was like in my 20s, and it's yeah. kind of shitty. Like the animation's yeah. cheap, and the it's voice good. the voice because like at that point I was like, oh, it's gonna be like going back and watching the Batman animated series. It wasn't. <laughs> no, the Batman animated series is hands down like the probably the best representation of Batman we're ever gonna get.
1: I think so. I think it's something. Well, I think I I would assume that a lot of people got in on Batman with the animated series, especially people like around our age right now, who people are in their 20s and 30s at this point. Mm. So I I just think that people zero in on that more so than like the Michael Keaton Tim Burton Batman. Well, as as like this is this is my Batman from growing up. So For a while I think though, it,
0: No, that wasn't the case. Um Yeah. It was Keaton, like, and I'm a little bit older, and I went and saw theaters, and, like, that was amazing. Yeah, And, yeah, they kind of took some missteps in Batman Returns, and then went...
1: Dude, comp- he should have murdered someone in Batman Returns.
0: In the beginning, he puts an entire wad of dynamite down a man's <laughs> pants and, like, <laughs> smiles at him while he blows up. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But there are some things that movie does, like, visually... I- Gotham looks fantastic. It's, it's yeah. around Christmas time. Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, will always like be my first crush. She's oh just, yeah. Oh, she's smoking hot. Um, yeah. But you know, Penguin bit a man's nose off, and which isn't bad, but like it's kind of gross when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So so they made the Batman animated series after that. I think it timed around Batman Returns coming out is when mm-hmm. like the first episode aired. Um, so there was a lot of Batman. It was in theaters and then it was also on TV. Um and I loved the animated series, but I didn't realize how well it represented like yes, I know it's it's a lot of everyone's first expo like it was my first exposure to the majority of Batman's villains. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, it's kind of the measuring stick when it comes to everything. But at the same time, if you read a lot of comics, like the, it's, it's good because they got it right. They didn't like what makes the Joker good. Right. He's pretty insane. He laughs at a lot of stuff and he's just obsessed with like causing all these problems for Batman. Yeah. Right. Like there are different interpretations. Heath Ledger's Joker is all about anarchy. Uh, Jared Leto's is all about tattoos, Um, I guess. I don't know what that Joker was about. (laughs) We didn't
1: didn't get enough time. He's all about tattoos and domestic abuse.
0: Sure. Um, But, uh, you know, if you look at what Mark Hamill did with that Joker, you know, he kind of stuck to those things and just chewed it up. He took Cesar Romero from the original Adam West Batman show. Um, Cesar Romero's kind of showmanship and kind of pep in how he delivered his dialogue and, and stayed true to it and didn't really mess with it. And I think everyone said as much as we all love Heath Ledger, the best Joker is probably Mark Hamill. (laughs) And I feel like, yeah, like Batman fans know that, but the rest of the world, I don't think, I don't think knows that. Yeah. Um, But anyway, that was, that was a big old tangent. I know we were trying to talk about comics, but it's
1: fine. But but anyway, so
0: around that time I was reading, um, I was reading a lot of X-Men And uh, there was a comic shop, like, a few towns away from where I lived. It was the only one that I could find that would give me a pull list. And Mm -hmm. everyone who buys comics knows a pull list or a subscription or whatever you want to call it is you, You say, okay, I love these comics. So every month when you get a new issue in, set it aside for me. And I will come in and buy it at some point, right? Yeah. So... There were, I don't know how many X different X-Men. There was the Uncanny X-Men. There was just plain old X-Men. There was, like, X-Force. There were, like, I, I think at that point I was buying, like, four or five X-Comics a month. There were a lot mm-hmm. of them, but, like, I yeah. just ate that shit up. Um, and then Wolverine was probably my favorite. And then approaching Wolverine number 100, he got his adamantium ripped out.
2: Mm-hmm
0: and then he had bone claws which is badass but yeah Wolverine 100 came out and I went to my comic shop that weekend cuz comics come out Wednesday
1: mm.
0: so I went there on a Saturday my dad drove me and I went to go pick up my you know my comics that came out that week or the last couple of weeks and they didn't have my Wolverine and I was like what happened And they're like, "Oh, we sold out of it." And I was like, "Well, you normally set them aside." And they're like, "Yeah, but we also we sold out. We couldn't set them aside this month." Now, keep in mind, I was in like fifth grade, maybe.
2: I was just a kid.
0: I didn't understand that stuff. I didn't have a car to go. Like, I didn't really even know release dates for things. Yeah. Um, And you couldn't find the the comic anywhere. It was just sold out everywhere. like eBay didn't exist at the time, so I couldn't go online and like buy it. Yeah. I was just asked out. And that that's a very important thing to understand because that comic shop essentially screwing over a kid who comes in like every couple of weeks to to give you money, right? Yeah. Like that made me stop buying comics for probably ten years. It was probably a decade before I bought another comic again because yeah, I, you I held was that so, grudge for that long I was I was so sad I was broken like it made yeah. me not it wasn't like fuck you comic shop like I was a kid I didn't have grudges. I was yeah. just like kind of kind of broken by it and I was like I, 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 all of a sudden there was a, a month where I didn't know what happened to Wolverine and no matter what I did, I couldn't figure it out I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and so I continued on for like another few months but that was the beginning of the waning of my interest mm-hmm. and I didn't start reading comics again until uh, around 2005 when Batman Begins came out the show Batman Begins
1: oh sorry Batman Begins I thought you said Batman Beyond sorry. no
0: no Batman Begins
1: <sighs> so Batman Begins is the thing that gets you back into comics as an adult yeah What comics were you picking up?
0: Oh, the, like, what'd you call it? Like, like the, if someone gets into reading Batman comics, there's probably Mm -hmm. a list of 10 comics that everybody would recommend. And seven of those would probably be on every single Batman fan's list. Yeah. Um, like. The the hands down. What all right, Keith? Someone starts reading Batman. What's the first comic you recommend? Year one. Yep. And what's in in Batman fans? What's probably the most uh like the comic that's held on the highest, like as one of the greatest Batman stories of all time. It can't be touched.
1: Uh, death of death in the family because everyone hated Jason Todd that much. <laughs> that's true. I was actually no, going to uh, say uh,
0: Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. That's the real answer.
0: Oh, you were joking. I'm sorry. I yeah, didn't pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. so that and um, uh, Long Halloween.
1: Dark Knight Returns is important to yeah. point out because I think, I'm pretty sure Dark Knight Returns came out before year one. Oh, um, no, it absolutely did.
0: Yeah. It came so, out it came out. That was the first dark Batman comic ever.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So before then it looked it didn't look like Adam West Batman necessarily, but it was like it was that 70s like blue Batman with the big horns and he was smiling all the time and stuff and it was a little more jovial, I would say. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, to Frank Miller, Frank Miller established the tone that's carried it's the way we understand Batman now. So It's what Tim Burton based the first movie off of, that that Frank Miller tone, and then also like, you could you could see it in um Christopher Nolan's take on it too. So all these dark versions of Batman that we've gotten, even really, I mean, the animated series too. Like it pulled some design stuff from from that book as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say he's as brutal or brooding as he is in Dark Knight Return or yeah dark Knight returns but uh yeah dark dark Knight returns was the moment when batman turned into the way we perceive him now so it is the most important batman book and uh still stands the test of time it's still when i go and read that book every now and then it's still amazing and that you, some of that stuff degrades over time because it also like Frank Miller was trying to capture his version of what like eighties teenage vernacular is. And I don't think it was that, but it it definitely like it sets a, it sets a weird tone for the book that it's unlike any other book, let alone a Batman book with, Mm -hmm. with like the dialogue he had for these kids. Um, but it also like made, made painted a different picture of Superman. Uh, it was it was the first like really cool like alternate like what if the superheroes were old and you got to see like old versions of Wonder Woman and Green Arrow and and all these people. The uh-huh. book is really good. Um, I can't recommend enough that everyone read it if you're at all interested in Batman or superheroes or comics. It's it's great. But yeah, Dark Knight Returns is is really special and is responsible for how we perceive Batman today so mm-hmm. it's yeah. great and then year one was year one was that the actual like incontinuity I think it ran in the actual Batman run of yes. the book um,
0: it actually had numbered issues
1: yeah so it was an incontinuity kind of like here we're restructuring and and giving it a new backstory and Frank Miller used that same kind of noir detective tone yeah. with it
0: But one thing, you know, I love Frank Miller, but it's nice seeing his writing with other artists. And Dave Messicelli did a really good job Mm -hmm. on that one. Yeah. I love the art in year one.
1: Yeah, it's really good.
0: And that heavily influenced Batman Begins. If you watch Batman Begins, there's so much of that Mm -hmm. from, uh, from year one.
1: One of my favorite lines from year one that translated so well to the animated year one which is also just fantastic the, i thought the the animated batman year one is one of the best animated movies they've made uh. in a long time uh but one of my favorite lines from that that i wish i could see in any like actual film adaptation at some point in the future is when he's like beaten up on that that drug the the, the like thug kid and i think he tries to shoot him and he like Puts him through like a glass table or something. Batman puts him like body slams him through a glass table and he's like, You think you know pain, I know pain. And he's like, Sometimes I share it with people like you. And it like (laughs) cut it cuts away. It's such a good There's such a
0: Frank Miller line. Like (laughs) he writes the most badass dark, but like kind of at the same time just a little bit cheesy lines that you can give to people. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's one thing I love about Dark Dark Knight Returns is it's so dense that it's almost like it's kind of like there's when you when you read Watchmen, you almost kind of every time you read it, depending on what mood you're in, you or what t- what stage of your life you're in, you might pick up something a little different from it. Um, but yeah, Fra- Frank Miller, and he kind of hates. Being the response, being responsible for ma- making Batman dark and brooding, it was like that was just my interpretation of it. I didn't mean to like change things, and but you know it is what it is. I think it was for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved uh, the work that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did.
1: Oh, absolutely!
0: Long Halloween and Dark Victory were two fantastic Batman books. Mm-hmm. Um, and Long High ho- think it was long halloween some stuff from that made it into batman begins as well um
1: i think most of it made it into the second one dark knight because it had a lot to do with harvey dent
0: true but there was like the the falcone falcone stuff was yeah from that book um it was good i mean and alan like uh, i think my one of my favorite batman books that it's really out there the art is really out there but no. Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison. Yeah. And Dave McKean. Holy shit. That book is insane. No, that pun book is really.
1: Yeah, it's. That is kind of like when you're more entrenched. I would never start anyone there because it's no. such a fucking like. No, yeah, but... when you're. When you are entrenched in Batman, then I'm like, you're ready for Arkham Asylum now because Arkham Asylum is like a fucking acid trip through Batman's mind.
0: I think that was my like third or fourth graphic novel that I bought of Batman, like when I was yeah. getting into Batman. So it was pretty early on for me and yeah. I didn't like really appreciate it till like my second read, but mm-hmm. dude, it's like Joker's like cross dressing. It's some crazy shit.
1: Mm-hmm. It's good yeah. though. It's really good. It's really, really good. It, it's a good, if you, it's the best way to get to know in a really uncomfortable way, all of his villains, like yeah. to, to get entrenched in their psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an unnerving book, but it's a really good book, and I'm excited that Grant Morrison is doing another Arkham Asylum with Damian Wayne this time. Yeah? Yeah, did you not hear that news out of Comic-Con?
0: No, I did, I did. Um, it's like Damian, he's not, it's like a future Damian, right?
1: It's the future from 666, Batman nice. 666. Yeah, it's that Damian, that world, and he's going to that Arkham Asylum. So
0: I wonder who's going to be the villains that are in there, since it's like so much later
1: i don't know um yeah that'll that'll be fun to see maybe professor pig will be in there that'd be so cool who's doing the art um i don't i think chris burnham is
0: oh nice i okay i can get down with that yeah he does professor pig well do you remember Mm -hmm. how like the feeling you got when you played batman arkham knight and you realized professor pig was in the game yeah i was like oh my god this is happening this is awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was so weird because he is one of the very few like new creations for Batman in the last ten years or so. So it was it was cool to see him he's in something. A, he's a pretty like twisted
0: Batman villain. You can't yeah. adapt him into too many like things that you and, and it, the kids can't see him, that's for sure. Well if you're going hard with it, I guess. I don't know.
1: Dude, I don't know. Like, I don't know what kids yeah, watch these days. You could do it. I mean, you don't have to like push it but so far it's more of like the best batman villain villains are the ones that you don't really see graphic shit it's just the, the psychology of it yeah. of, like th- thinking about the fact that of what he's doing to people and ha- and just like like your mind basically filling the gaps where the, they don't show you imagery and stuff mm-hmm. um so everyone really loves the joker uh and how could you i mean like how could you not it is the quintessential quintessential villain it's a guy who just comes out of nowhere and does things for seemingly no reason and like you'll never understand him it's the, it's the, the things that unnerve us most in life is when these things happen and let's say there's like a murder suicide and then we never get to know like what that person was thinking why did they do this you know it just seems random that's what the joker is at all times he's just chaos and and disorder and you can't even like trace who he was and when they tried to make a backstory for him even though fans it's such a fucking like hypocritical thing fans love the killing joke and reference it all the time but they're like Well, we don't accept that as joker's backstory and it's like well okay like whatever
0: i accept the heath ledger interpretation which is like Joker's backstory is whatever he feels like saying at the time. And that's one, yeah. one of those things. It's all yeah. canon. It's the one thing where like um, an origin could be m- multiple origins and have it be mm-hmm. canon. And I think that's the best origin for the Joker. Yeah. Whatever um, the writer wants it to be.
1: Do you remember Azrael's Joker book?
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I love that interpretation of it. Dude, it's so good. And... I think he started writing that before Dark Knight was released, though, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the artist, Lee Bermejo, had come up with that scarred face design before the movie had even come out or That I
0: didn't know. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Those two, they're like, as a creative team, they're one of Mm -hmm. my favorites. Um, Lee Bermejo is one of my favorite artists, and his his work, uh, he draws Batman... From like um, I don't know, a very realistic point of view, and not like mm. Christopher Nolan realistic. Just like he, I don't know. Betrayal, betrayal. Oh,
2: yeah. Nope. Sam just yelled betrayal and left. Hey Sam, I've been betrayed, No, I didn't leave. I'm still here. That's I wanted okay. to hear hear the fallout from betrayal. We're just talking about that. I just. What are you guys doing in here? Are you satisfying without yes. me?
1: Yeah, we're talking about comic books.
2: Oh my god.
1: Those things you don't read,
2: I've, I'm going to read them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's that new one. I'm going to read that one.
1: That one I gave you.
2: No the uh, the impressives or whatever it's <laughs> the called. The terrifics. The terrifics. The impressives. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that's that's the one. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, the terrifics is going to be great.
2: Yeah, I'm going to buy it and read it.
1: Cool see
2: are, you, are you gonna make a?
1: are you gonna make a pull list at a shop
2: maybe do they do that for one comic
1: i think and if you're like guaranteed you're gonna buy it
2: if you find the right shop they will
0: um like the shop near me they they don't have a minimum but they they charge you to have a pull list that shit pisses me off yeah. Like I'm gonna yeah. come in and buy yeah. it. Like like put my credit card on file. I, I don't care. Just don't like make me pay for the like for the guaranteed purchase. That doesn't make sense. Mm.
2: My shop yeah, was the
1: opposite. Annoying. You made a pull list and they gave you ten percent off of everything you buy in the store. What? Yeah.
2: That's fantastic. So that's, uh velocity. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a good velocity shop. Velocity is easily the best shop I've ever ever been it, to.
1: It really is. It's the best shop because the, like, the guy who runs it is really nice and knowledgeable, um, and it's the most organized comic book shop I've ever been to.
0: And where are they Mostly located, the Give shops. them a plug. What's up? Give them a plug. Where are they located?
1: Uh, in Richmond somewhere on Broad Street. <laughs> I don't know exactly. <laughs> uh, on Broad Street in Richmond near VCU, Velocity Comics. Go there for all your comics.
2: There you go. But I also, I like, it's like the only comic shop I've ever been to where I feel welcome. Like they want me there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because that's, comic shops are so anti-business. I've never understood. Oh my God,
0: dude. That's why I won't go to the one by me. I walk in there and it's either this, this obese man who's always watching like classic episodes of whether it's Star Trek or some 70s show. Yeah. He's like giggling to himself and talking to the TV, but he won't even look up and say Hi. Yeah. yeah, or the obviously the guy who's the owner who's just miserable and is it nice? And I'm like, this is comic shops are like the most dependent on repeat business. I know, and like how how like we all have the same stuff in common. I could walk in there and we could all have the same thing in common. And how are you choosing to not talk to me and to not be nice to me? Cause because like, the just... attitude they have is that you
2: like it worse than they do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. Like that's exactly that's that type of nerd is like, yeah, you think you like Batman, but you don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I'm gonna go. I just wanted to crash for a second. uh we cool. we're, we're getting prepped for that eclipse. Oh, nice. Do you have the sunglasses? Eclipse sunglasses. Oh, we got them. Wait. So, where are you
0: on the as far as like visibility goes in Colorado? Are we're like able ninety-five. To see like...
2: Uh, we're we're trekking into uh, Nebraska. That's pretty cool. We're we're going to Car Henge in Nebraska to witness a hundred percent totality. What? That's yeah. awesome. Forecast is good, or what? It, it's it could be oh, a little bit better. Push. It's making me kind of nervous, but it's not terrible.
1: Excuse me. Excuse um, me. We're trying to satisfy the masses and you're being a fucking bitch.
2: Yeah, it's it's a little cloudy, so it's sort of we just have to cross our fingers and hope.
0: Well, good luck, man. That sounds Thank you. sounds pretty great. I'm jealous. My boss is flying down to Tennessee to watch it and it, the yeah. weather's not looking good and I'm like, shit.
2: Imagine that, man. Yeah, that's that's the thing. We go through all this and we don't get to see it. I'll be pretty bummed, but it'll still be a fun trip at least. Wow. Good uh, luck. Right. Fingers crossed. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Sam. See you, man.
1: All right. What were we talking
0: about? We were talking about Brian Azarello and Lieberman. Oh, go for it, yeah. So, it's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like more of like a gangster approach to it. Like Killer Croc looks... I don't know. He's still got scaly skin, but he looks more humanoid. Oh, it's, yeah it's pretty great
1: they turn him into like a cannibal basically yeah yeah like he's a he's a guy who like you go to dump bodies but you're not really dumping mm-hmm. them he's just eating them which is like as sick to think about man it's like a yeah. joke uh, uh, riddler looks like a fucking asshole he's but got, like, yeah, it's
0: but it's he's got cool. like he's got like cerebral palsy in his legs that's why he has yeah. his cane his riddler cane yeah um and i th- if i remember correctly and it's been a couple of years since i've read it the story is told from the perspective of uh, like some guy who just it's like one of like Joker brings him on like as like a like one of his goons. Um, yeah,
1: it's a guy who's way in over his head. He's not know what he's getting into. Yeah,
0: which is you know if you look at um, I don't do you ever read Batman Noel the 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 yeah Lieberman and I love I'd say probably if you if I look at fiction. A released recurring fiction where a story gets told over and over and over again um, through different people's perspectives. One of my, my all-time favorites is A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. uh, from Dickens. And Lee Bermejo, who was the artist on Joker, wrote a book called Batman Noel, which is a, a, essentially a Christmas Carol told from Batman's perspective.
1: Yeah, and it's it re- it's a really fucking smart book.
0: It's great, and it's like the the ghost of Christmas past is I think Catwoman, uh, the ghost of Christmas present is Superman, mm-hmm. which is great because he's always glowing. Because the ghost of Christmas present is like supposed to like radiate light off of him, yeah. um, and Superman is like a, you know feeds off of the sun, so it's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and who's the ghost of Christmas yet to come? Is the Joker, right? yeah Yeah, i think it's it's a joker but instead of bob cratchit it's this this guy who sort of stumbles into being a, a criminal um and batman has the chance to essentially not ruin this guy's life and to like show him the right path instead of like breaking his arms and legs and throwing him in jail yeah so it's a great book but art's really good but like his bat suit the way he draws the bat suit's great he doesn't give batman wide eyes like you can actually he's one of the few artists where you see his eyes when he wears the mm-hmm. cowl yeah. um and i like that a lot like and it I looks
1: good yeah, it's it looks not
0: right good. for everyone like i wouldn't want to see like greg capullo draw batman that way but for his style it's fantastic
1: yeah so um gary frank also did a version of that suit for the earth one books that's great mm. where you see his eyes
0: yeah yeah, it's less bulky. His his Earth One suit is really cool. It looks more like half normal Batsuit, half Lieber Mayo Batsuit. It's like somewhere in the middle. It's yeah. not as like as bulky or as armorized, but Yeah. Um yeah, so like those were the Batman books I bought when I really got heavy into Batman around Batman Begins. Like I remember mm-hmm. watching Batman Begins in theaters and I was like and that was pretty good. And I, lo- I actually was excited for it because it was a Christopher Nolan movie and not because it was a Batman movie because I love Memento. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. This guy's making a Batman movie. And then it came out on DVD and I watched it the weekend. I worked at a video store. This is important because anyone who knows me knows how much I love Batman, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the weekend that before Batman begins came out on DVD. Like i I worked at a video store and we got the movies the weekend before they came out. So like I brought it home and I watched it on a Friday and I was like, that was better than I remembered it. Yeah. And then I watched it on Saturday and I was like, man, this is really good. And I watched it on <laughs> Sunday. I was like, this movie's fucking amazing. Like yeah. every time I watched it, it got better and better. And then that spiraled into me reading all those Batman books that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was like, oh, my God, like, he's got this amazing rogues gallery of villains. And, you know, I started rewatching the animated series. uh, And that sort of spiraled into my love of Batman. And then when they relaunched the DC Universe with the New 52 that you talked about. And that was in 2011, I think. Yeah. September 2011. They they did that and they reset the continuity. And then I felt comfortable going back into a comic shop and buying an issue of a comic as opposed to a graphic novel, like a collection. Because I'm like, oh, I, it doesn't matter. I'm not missing out on anything. I know this is starting at number one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm going to take a minute to list my favorite runs of the new 52. Sure. So, uh, I would like to mention the justice league run of that Jeff Johns did, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. Um, and he had Jim Lee for the first leg of it. And then he did, uh, Ivan Reese for like his second leg. So that was like up to like somewhere in the twenties. I think that Jeff Johns stepped down. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. And, um, I think most importantly, uh, probably the the everyone's favorite creative team from the new 52 was most likely Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo who did Batman.
1: Yeah, I'd say so, yeah.
0: And holy shit, they did 50 I think it was 50 or 49 issues of Batman.
1: It was I think that made it to 52 because 50 was like the official end of it and then they did like two like kind of send off issues.
0: No, but when did they go to rebirth? What was the number? Because the last issue was done by like Tom King and David Finch, I think. I don't think they did the last like one or two issues.
1: No, I think the, the they it was them until they renumbered it.
0: Oh really? Yeah. yeah I'm a dummy. Anyway, yeah, that was great and their run was fantastic and they did what not a lot of people do, which is they created a new like villain that became canon that like you know made it into T V shows already and it's only yeah. been a couple of years. The Court of wow. Owls, um, with talent uh, and the uh, the assassins and stuff. Oh, that was so cool.
1: See and it is really cool and it's so he made it so it was such an epic thing. And everyone's like, "Well, the next Batman movie should be Court of Owls." And it's like what they're really trying to do is they have a Nightwing and a Batgirl movie lined up to film, and it's clear that what they should do is just do a Bat family like their own universe and have them all have their own movies and in the background of those be throwing in like owl stuff oh, and then there should be just so be a awesome. bat there should just be a bat family movie. Uh, and it's court of owls and it's like a entire it's a, it's just the siege of Gotham City by the owls.
0: That'd be so great. Not going to happen, but it would be great.
1: Not Well, that's why they should hire me cuz I have the best ideas.
0: So. Yep. Hire him. Yeah. Hire Keith um, Silverman. But yeah, so so they're they're running Batman and not I don't I can't think of another creative team that went from issue number 1 to essentially issue 52 and did yeah. all of them. But they did.
1: I they, don't think they did. Yeah, they were the only ones.
0: Yeah, I think probably the next creative team that came close as far as the amount of content they put out was probably yeah. the Wonder Woman run of Azzarello and Chris Chang. Or sorry, yeah. Cliff Chang. I apologize, Cliff. You're not listening. Um, that run was amazing. And yeah. that, and I that just, was the first I Wonder Woman I ever that, read.
1: I just finished that like a, a couple of weeks ago. Really? This, yeah. I was getting it in the in the trades when they were coming out, and I I got the last two a while ago. i would just, just been sitting on them forever, and then I finally decided to like power through them. And yeah, you forget are, like excellent. what
0: was going on where you are like, what? Wait, what? I forgot a
1: lot of it, so I went and like flipped through a couple of the other ones, and then I was like, oh, that's because when Azzarello writes something, it's really dense with it's not only dense with like plots because he these always try to weave something really intricate something very like shakespearean in the in the tragedy of it a lot of characters that are like their ego is their downfall um but also just there's a lot of connective tissues and there's characters whose motivations get mixed up and they switch allegiances all the time and i was just like what the fuck where did this character come from and what was the last thing i saw him in um and it, it spans the entirety of like uh, Greek mythology, as far as incorporating all the gods in it. So I was like, "What the fuck?" Like these characters are at- talking to each other, like they'd known each other for a while. It's like I don't remember who this is or what the hell they even did. So I just I took a I took a quick flip through the older ones, but that's a run that's worth having in its entirety. Mm-hmm. It's So good. Yeah,
0: I'm. Uh... That that's probably the hardest thing about being someone who reads comics is. just forgetting what happened yeah (laughs) like i love um uh paper girls Mm -hmm. which is also illustrated by cliff chang but it's written by brian k vaughn and it's a story about these it starts with like almost this 80s kind of vibe. I believe it actually takes place in the 80s, and it's these these girls, these like kind of early high school, like they're probably around 14, 13, 14 years old, and they're they're paper delivery girls, and they sort of accidentally stumble across this. How would you describe it? Like an alien invasion, almost.
1: I don't know because I didn't make it that far.
0: Oh, it's good. Anyway, spoilers. Uh, <laughs>
1: it it looked like it, it. To me, it looked like the comic book, all girls version of stranger things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very good. It's excellent. Um, but it's whenever you're reading a comic that has a creative team that will not split up. Like every issue of paper girls is going to be written by Brian K Vaughn and be drawn by cliff Chang. You have these breaks where they, a couple of months goes by and they don't put out an issue. Yeah. And so, when I read it in trade form, which is six months later, when they put them all collected in a book, and you buy that book, and then you read, like, five or six issues in a row, it's been a long time since I read the previous one, and I always forget what happened. Yeah. that's a problem I have. I have a terrible memory, but Mm -hmm. that's... I remember you told me some really good advice, because there was... I'm a collector, and if I have... 30 issues of of a comic it's hard for me to stop buying at that point yeah and i remember you told me some very important advice which was this is fantastic advice it's just if you don't remember what happened on the previous month's issue you probably shouldn't be buying it month to month yeah and it's
1: something that, you discover like yeah definitely like getting him in trade is a little different because you're getting a big chunk of the story so it is more memorable Getting it month to month, especially when you're getting like 10 other books month to month and you're, you're basically like there, you pick, you get one day out of the month where you, you get all your books and you just go right through them and you're, you're basically reading like a single chapter of 10 different stories at the same time. It's really hard. It's, it's tough. Like sometimes you get stuff does get lost and that's what happened to me at the beginning of the new 52 since everything started at number one, I probably was getting like 15 books every month Damn. and it didn't take me long probably like five issues into all of them to be like what the fuck and it was sort of thing it was like if i don't remember what happened last month it's clearly not making enough of an impression on me that i need to keep buying this you know as much as i like i love the writer or artist that's working on it this is something i let slip away into trade and then pick up later when i'm clearly more invested and have more like mental capacity to to give the attention to it so yeah, it's, it's always good to, it's always good to measure yourself in that way with the stuff. Cause it can get out of hand really quickly. And especially s- since the single issues cost like three bucks, three, three or four bucks now per issue, you, you, you're almost doing yourself a favor waiting for a lot of these books to come out and trade because they're way cheaper to get that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They are, um, Speaking of price, one thing I wanted to discuss is how much Marvel charges for their books.
1: For their trades? Yeah. It's ridiculous.
0: Why? Do you know why?
1: Dude, it's just they can. So that's the thing. It's like Marvel's like we got the big fucking swinging dick of the the cinematic universe and like all of these, all of our property now. It just is like it's not individual. It's just it all falls under the Marvel brand. So like everyone's gonna go see the next Marvel movie, they can make any Marvel movie they want, and as long as it's just Marvel, people are gonna show up, and they prove that with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that it's an idea that's applying to their comic books now. Um, they just assume that. So this is the kind of shit that I talk about with people all the time. In everything is like if you think something's wrong, vote with your wallet. You know, if I if I think the DC movies are garbage, I'm not gonna go see them. If the writing's on the wall that, you know, the next that Justice League is trash, I'm not going to see it. Cause if you give them money, it's all these people care about at the end of the day. And it, that shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Is like if they keep making money, they're not gonna stop doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with with Marvel and the way they tra- they they charge for those trades, it's like, dude, like some of the trades I've bought, I will not wait. I will not buy them until they're cheaper on Amazon because it's like four issues in a trade and it's like 20 bucks like fuck that most of like the image comics trades are like ten dollars per trade and they have more than four issues
0: yep image does it right dc does a pretty good job um as far as price goes like you can get the like i think i paid for superman's volume one rebirth which had i think six or seven (laughs) issues of it like Mm -hmm. it was a lot it was like eleven dollars on Amazon, maybe twelve. Mm-hmm. DC, like when it comes to paperbacks, they really make it affordable. Um, one thing they started doing with New Fifty Two, they would put out the hardcover. With comics, it's always like we put out the hardcover, and then a year later we put out the paperback. Yeah. It's kind of like regular books, like that's how they do it. What DC started doing with Rebirth, which was we start putting out the paperback first, and then a year later we'll put out the first two paperbacks in a hardcover and they'll call it the deluxe edition. Yeah. If it was a decent book. So like, um, Pat Gleason and Peter Tomasi's wonder woman, or sorry, Superman. (laughs) I can't believe I fucked that up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) their Superman is getting a deluxe version, which is the first two volumes in a hardcover. Um, Mm -hmm. Brian Azzarello's Wonder Woman is getting a hardcover. And it sucks because if you really love the books like I do, I enjoy hardcover books more than I enjoy paperback books. They look nicer on your bookshelf. I feel like they last longer. They're more durable. But like, I didn't know I would love Brian Azzarello's Wonder Woman run so much. And I bought the first two trades. And they're like, oh, we're going to put them out in a hardcover now. And I'm like, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) because that's the one i really want but i'm not gonna rebuy it anyway yeah so marvel just charges a lot and dc is kind of in the middle and image is like here take all our stuff yeah um
1: well image is in a unique position i I love what they do because um
0: it's creator owned right
1: it's all 100 percent creator owned um so like Marvel and DC are like the two big companies and you can go work for them, but you only get a cut of a certain amount of the profits from each book that you work on. And so image comics was founded by seven guys who worked at Marvel and DC at the time. And they just kind of decided all together, like of all the books come out every month, the po- the pool of talent of those seven guys encompassed 44 out of the top 50 selling books what? of every month. Yeah. Really? So they are like, we're going to split off and do our own thing. And they were like, even if we make, we only have to make, but so much money to be successful. And it was something like, like they made like four at the end of the day, all said and done with like how everything pays out at those big companies. They only made like 4% or something of each book that sold. Um, and so they were like, if we just make exactly what we were making before at a hundred percent of the profit, we're good. And they, they made way more than that like each book made they were like top in the charts way more than that. And they weren't taking 4% of the profit. They were taking 100% of the profit. So
0: that's awesome. That uh, makes me real happy. Like I love, I love so much stuff that has come out of DC and Marvel, but sure. Yeah. Um, those are big fucking machines. And without companies like image, we don't get these amazing, unique stories like, um, Paper Girls, or uh, one of the my favorite comics I've read in the last few years is Southern Bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, that is just, that book is written by Jason Aaron, and was it drawn by uh, Jason L- Latour, I
1: think? Latour, yeah.
0: Oh my god, it's so good. It's and ridiculous. I feel like if if that company didn't exist, we wouldn't get those books. We wouldn't get Sex Criminals. Um, yeah. <laughs> written by Matt Fraction and drawn by Chip Zadarsky, who I want to say I believe Chip Zadarsky to be the funniest person in comics.
1: Well it's very likely, yeah.
0: And he's an artist. Well he he's a writer. He writes a lot of stuff, but he's he's like I think he, he was became known as an artist, but yeah. he does not give a shit. Like yeah. he won a Harvey Award and and Mark Wade accepted it, and Mark Wade essentially kept it for two years. Mm-hmm. I think he still has it. Like he never got his Harvey award because he just doesn't give a shit. Mark Wade just trolls him at Comic Cons by like letting people do whatever they want with his Harvey. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's awesome. Um, But yeah, Sex Criminals is a story about people. This this woman. I think the first issue starts with this woman who, yeah, when she has an orgasm, like time essentially stops. Yep. Uh, for I don't know how long, a couple hours or whatever it is. Yeah. And then she ends up. Uh she's been like that her whole life and then she meets a guy and he's the same way, so they decide that they can rob banks to I was it to like save a library, I believe is how it all started. Yeah. Um and then it like spirals into this crazy story of these like they have these like it's like almost like this police for these people that police pe- people who do this. Yeah. One of the characters' names is Kegelface. Yeah, like, it's so good. It's so weird. And every month they have a variant cover that's a not safe for work cover. And there's like tons of sex and fucking awesome stuff in it. It's so good, but that would never come out on Marvel or DC. Like Image yeah. has the balls to put it out.
1: But well, that's what I like about Image is like those very early days of the founding the founding days of image were all the idea was like, we want to do, we want to do the stuff that we're confident in. That's that clearly sells. And we don't want, we don't want to be creatively uh, shackled. And you know, the, the deal is, is as long as your book sells enough, you do whatever you want. And so it started out with just those guys. And they did like, they created all their own characters like spawn and, and savage dragon and the Wildcats and, and all that shit. Um, and they owned them. So if anyone wanted to make toys or movies or any, anything out of it, they, the creators of the stuff, owned the property themselves. So they got all the profits. So they were compensated for it. And those are guys so like that, Todd
0: McFarlane, uh, Jim, Jim Lee, Lee
1: uh, Eric Larson, yep. um, Mark Silvestri. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and so that that idea, that mentality, is still the same way that images run today, except it's just bigger like more people are printing books under that imprint because that's what they say is like you can come over here and we'll we'll publish your books and you own everything about it we never take we don't take anything from it we don't own anything about it so if anyone wants to buy that property that ip and make movies and stuff image doesn't take any money you get the money like wait it's your so shirt. how
0: does like how does jim lee make money with image anymore since he doesn't put out anything with them
1: I don't th- I, if he doesn't put out I don't think he makes money from them. so I that te- think he left the that
0: technically be a non-profit for the people who founded it
1: uh because Todd McFarlane still owns it I think Todd McFarlane is, is the only guy that still like runs it through and through all the other guys they went back to like Marvel and DC at some point because they probably offered him like contracts and good mm-hmm. deals and stuff um but yeah, I think unless someone does something with the characters that they created and owned, they I don't think they make money off of Image. Huh. I, don't, I I that, That's a funny thing because I don't know if they still own stock in, the, in that business anymore. Yeah, I but would like, guess what if you're not. giving
0: all of the profit to the writers and stock is there to have? It's like they have yeah. to pay for, you know, it's like, well, it costs this much to print the issue, this mm-hmm. much for, for advertisements, so everything else beyond that goes to you. Um, the writer and the artist, the creators. So, like, how does how does the company make money? So
1: it might be a little different now with that stuff. I think the idea is that you still probably pay Image to like publish the book, mm-hmm. but if any if anyone wants to pick up the IP, Image doesn't like they they don't have any say in that. You sure. as the creator have all the say in it. So I think that's the idea is they get to like you know. If, when AMC comes to knock in and they want to make walking dead, the TV show image comics and Todd McFarlane have nothing to do with that. It's yeah. all Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman gets to have a final say on all his shit. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't so, know
0: image published walking dead.
1: Yeah. It was an image book. And so, and his other one invincible as well.
0: Uh-huh. So actually um, I, I will say the only comic that, that that I still buy month to month mm-hmm. that until it's over, I will buy it month to month is saga.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's written by Brian K Vaughn and it's drawn by staples. And that's an image published book. And because it's only this one writer and it's only this one artist. And she also does all the coloring. She does everything. Like she, any art you yeah. see is a hundred percent done by her. She's an
1: incredible amount of work. No, I don't think people No, I don't think like, people understand the work that goes into making comics because like you have
0: to do the pencils, right? Yeah. Then you have to do the inks. Then you yep. have to do the color. There's lettering. Yeah. Like there's all these things. I think maybe lettering is the only someone else does on Saka. Yeah. I don't think she does well, maybe she does do the lettering.
1: I don't know. I don't know that, but I know she does she does a ridiculous amount of work and people still associate comic books with like they're for children and stuff, but I don't think people understand, like, you have a deadline, the book comes out every month, you have to produce, like, 22 pages in, in 30 days, probably less than that. Um, to, like, draft all these pages, you have to be doing at least a page a day. Some some people do more, like, Greg Capullo is an insane man and a hard worker. So Oh, yeah, he, he, he works real lot. hard. He does a lot of work um just doing the pencils alone takes a fucking incredible amount of time because you have to draft you have to put things in perspective you have to make sure that things are like lining up right you have to make sure they're in pr- like proportion you have to make sure that the story you're telling is coming across in like people's ex in their expressions on their face and their posture and their what they're doing with their hands and stuff you have to make sure you're highlighting stuff with the right imagery it's it's really thoughtful and uh it's like the art style has evolved over time. And so that's the thing is like, I don't think people understand. I, I really get it. It strikes a, a, the wrong nerve with me when people still don't understand the amount of work that goes into comics. And it's like, guys, it's it's probably the hardest job to do in the art field because it's like it's like running a marathon in the art world. You're just constantly going. And it's it's draining work if you don't absolutely love it but there's people that absolutely love it and they just do it happily, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's like drafting the same thing over and over again, yeah. like city skylines and to architecture and choosing the perspective at all times. It's like, it's not like the guy that goes and goes and does like family portraits, you know, it's, it's very different. It's, it's hard and grueling work. So to do the pencils, not only the pencils but the inks and the colors and doing the covers which take it yeah. more time because they have to have, they have to look better that because you're that's you're selling the book on the cover really. Fiona Staples is a mad woman, so she deserves like that <laughs> yeah. month or two that they take off. Because Brian K. Vaughan was Dude, like, "Well, we could get like, yeah." He's like, "We could get fill-in artists, but that's not the kind of shit we want to do." Yeah. So we're just going to take a break every few like, months.
0: Even though we were saying like, "Oh, Scott Snyder, or Greg Capullo," they did the whole new Fifty Two Run. There would be annuals that he didn't do. There would be mm-hmm. like. He would do like four or five issues and take an issue off because, as yeah. an artist, it's a hard schedule to keep up. And she like Keith, like you said, she does everything. Um, so Saga will go like two to three months without having any, any issues come out because, like, yep. she needs to live her life and breathe. You know, yeah.
1: And that's and another freedom in the afforded. Next
0: but that's what's so great about Saga is that like I'm getting the same vision every time I open it. Yeah. Um, the well, same artist about... the same writer and it will not change and it's going to be those two until they don't want to do it anymore or until they finish the story uh and yeah. image puts that book out and that's the only comic that i i every month every month i buy it when it comes out every single month i own every issue of saga bagged and boarded starting with issue number one the day before it came out you were like hey there's this book coming out this week by brian k vaughn it's called Saga. You should pick it up. And I was like, yeah. okay, if, if if you tell me to buy a comic, I buy it because you were the one who told me, hey, you should pick up Swamp Thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? It was when the New 52 launched. I, I, I remember telling you, give me one or two books that I wouldn't buy on my own that I should pick up. And you said Aquaman and Swamp Thing. And they ended up being like my favorite New 52 characters that I read.
1: Yeah. Every character is good with the right creative team behind yep. it.
0: And and Scott Snyder and who was it? Yannick Paquette did Swamp mm. Thing. So yep. the panel the pages on Swamp Thing were like a tapestry of story. It was awesome. Remember yeah, that? He's got, a, really like, unique, he's he's got like, a unique way of framing he, things. Yeah, he would like panel things in these weird sort of non- uh, they were just these, it's just so unique. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, you probably could better than me, but he
1: was... Just- so, it, it, like, because of the organic nature of Swamp Thing, I think he took that opportunity to make more, less structured frames for the book and did things that seemed more like collages. And it, it was to its benefit and detriment because some of the, sometimes the way it was structured was a little confusing. Yeah. Um. But it was always striking and more of like a graphic design like just just a really good pleasant thing to look at um, as as an image when you're trying to like read the words and follow the story it got a little confusing at points but it yeah. was really good he's he's one of the one of the best artists working
0: yeah um, and uh, so yeah so he him and um, Scott Snyder did the first run of Swamp Thing and then the second uh, half of the run was done by was it Charles Soul and I forget who the artist was.
1: Um, I think it's like Jesus Saez.
0: Yeah, and that yeah. was I stopped I bought Swamp Thing up until they left the book, mm-hmm. and then I bought the trades when the other guys joined on, and yeah. it was arguably might be better. It was it was just as good, if not better, than their um. It That's cool. I
1: I never, I never picked up Soleil's run. I know Charles Soleil's a fantastic writer.
0: So good. It was excellent. If you ever want to borrow mine, let me know. I own the Mm. their run uh, in trade form and it was excellent. Like even Superman shows up in in one of the stories which is really cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was excellent. Excellent. And they really delved deep into the green and like the, uh, like the, the, the how, how they're like, uh, hierarchy is structured. Um, And, you know, Scott Snyder laid a lot of the groundwork for all that stuff with his whole him and Jeff Lemire's Rot World storyline.
1: That's what's great is, like, the New 52 Complain About It All You Want, it, it did a lot of the work that Jeff Johns did for Green Lantern, which was like, let's take this silly concept and these rules that don't make sense, and let's make them make sense, and let's give it a rich new backstory and fill it with lore that's actually interesting. Yep. Um, and that happened a lot in the New Fifty Two, especially with uh, with Aquaman for sure, but with Swamp Thing and uh, Animal Man, and like connecting those characters mm-hmm. and that, those worlds together with the the balance between the green, the red, and the the uh, the black, or, or what is it? The green, the rot, the rot, and the red, uh, the red, yeah,
0: yep, and the red is like green is plant life red is like animal life and the rot is like death yeah um and all those things and anytime
1: are- anytime one is out of balance well because it was the story was structured like okay the rot is obviously bad cuz it's death and we got to like team together team up together to take it out and it's like by the end you realize it's like no it's just the rot is the one that's out of balance right now and so at at a point in time the red could be the bad guys cuz they're yeah, too much power yeah and so it's, m- and even it's the more green like could be even though yeah. we're
0: like seeing it from swan things perspective but there needed yep. to be a balance um and yeah you could have avatars that like got out of control in any of them but mm. they all needed to exist for you know the obvious reasons yeah. circle of life mm-hmm. um you just touched on aquaman which was well, holy shit aquaman ended up becoming one of my favorite superheroes because of jeff john's new 52 writing
1: yeah um, I think it was the first, I, I know people probably could find eras of Aquaman they enjoyed, but I think legitimately Jeff John's run on, on Aquaman was the first actually good run of that character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I don't think there's a, a, another actually entertaining run and I fucking hate, uh, hook hand Aquaman that, that whole era and that design. In the 90s. Fucking, yeah. I don't, I don't like that shit at all, but yeah, Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns works some sort of magic and, um, that it's that sort of thing where he can tap into like, what's the humanity of this character and let's double down on that and expand some lore around him. So, um, he did it with Green Lantern and then he did it on a smaller level with, uh, Aquaman and then, um, he did it with a couple of, of the side characters in justice league when he was running that book. And now that he's not really doing comic books right now, um, I miss that. I wish he would do the metal men. just as a book because when they were in justice league, it was incredible.
0: Yeah, It was really cool. Yeah. He really can make like the, the cheesiest character is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, his Aquaman run was fantastic. And, um, like it's, you know, I remember like telling people like you should read this, and they would laugh at. me. Oh, I'm serious. Like I don't care if it's Ag- like Aquaman's like a joke, but he's he's a really cool hero. And Jeff Johns is like, well, what what powers could this guy have? Mm-hmm. Right, if if he's an aquatic based hero, okay, so obviously. He can swim fast, and he can talk to sea life, but what if because of the... Well, he doesn't
1: talk to sea life. He
0: communicates telepathically through sea life.
1: He telepathically pushes them to do what he wants.
0: So, Which is kind of invasive, if if you think about it. But um, it's a little mind-rapey. But, like, okay, so the pressures of the very, very depths of the ocean, right, Mm -hmm. should, in theory his muscle density has to be insane to tolerate that. Therefore he's super strong and therefore his skin would be impenetrable. And because of, you know, like if you think of people who train underwater, he should run faster. He should jump higher because of all this stuff. And so he just made him a fucking badass because he thought about every possible thing they could give him and they did. And it's so good. Yeah. And like, oh, they did the storyline of the trench, which was excellent. Um, The
1: trench was like a, the trench was, and if they ever do in the Aquaman movie, if they do it right and they do the trench, the trench could be the alien of the DC universe. Yeah, like, but it gets really violent that horror. Uh, yeah, I
0: don't know. I mean, James Wan, yeah, it makes sense, but I don't know, man. That's a little violent,
1: dude. I, I love the trench run. It was so good. Mm.
0: Oh, it was. It absolutely was. But I, in the movie, I don't know. That would have to be R rated. But and then yeah. it
1: went like. It went, like, full Game of Thrones with the, the next, like, big run after that. run of Atlantis? Yeah. With the harp? It was, like, the, the, the yeah. king. What was it? The, the, seven, the seven... I don't know what the guy was called. The fucking king that, like, emerged out of the depths of the ocean.
0: Yeah. So he was the, like... the Zebe- He was the king of Zabel essentially. Like, he was mm-hmm. Mira's people. Yeah. Right? Like, I think so. Yeah. Because, like, you had the Atlanteans and then her people, which was the Zabels, I think they were yeah. called. Like, it's an a- X pronounces a Z. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's going to tie into the movie that James Wan's doing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, man. If you see Amber Heard as uh, Mara, holy shit. Dude,
1: dude, it's great. Yeah.
0: She looks perfect. She's out of the book. Perfect. Yeah. Um,
1: it's one of the best comics to screen adaptations of a character, like, visually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that movie. Um, I feel like, you know, as much as I'm like, uh, maybe Jason Momoa's Arthur Curry isn't what I would have wanted. At the same time, I'm getting an Aquaman movie, so I shouldn't complain. No, and I
1: think it's, I think it's honestly like he might end up being the best part of Justice League, and his Aquaman movie is probably going to be just as good or better than the Wonder Woman movie.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's going to be they're going for like a Thor vibe. For this yeah. sort of otherworldly yet rooted. A um, little bit of comedy. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, the new 52 run was great. And then I started, um, I remember there were a couple Marvel comics I read in that time. Um, You got me volume one of Daredevil by Mark Wade mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Samney. It's Chris Samney, right? Chris to... Samney, yeah. yeah. He,
1: he took over as the regular artist probably like 20 issues in, but it started with uh, Paolo Rivera, yes, who, who is an amazing, amazing artist. Uh, but he got he got really busy at a certain point, so he had to hand the reins to someone else, and Chris yeah. Samney picked it up. and I love Chris Samney's style. It's really it's very classic. It actually reminds me of Dave, David Mazzucchelli's style yeah. from Batman Year One. Yeah. Just uh, that really simple, classic style of comics
0: but it looks so good it's not it does it's not simple and boring it's like simple but everything that i see it's more about the storytelling yeah everything i see is very intentional yeah everything's there for a reason the angle of what i'm seeing every little detail but it's not Mm -hmm. like very detailed pencil work
1: no it's just it's In comics, the most important part of the artwork is the storytelling. Like you could be a there's definitely like artists that are better than others, but it's really not about. I I remember I went to one of the cons I went to. There was a um, there was a conference that Jeff Lemire was doing with one of his friends, and they were just they're basically just talking about how they broke into comics because their art style is. Um, unorthodox it's not like other people's and some people would look at it and say it's uglier than others but it really is just conveys emotion so much better than other people's art style Um, and so they were talking about like well how do you succeed with that and they're like it's not about if you're drawing a hallway it's not about drawing the best looking ceiling tiles because who Uh fucking cares like all you need to know is that it's a ceiling tile Um, and the the storytelling is what's mo- most important. It's like, what is this character thinking, and how do I express it on his face? And it doesn't matter if you're like the best at face anatomy. It matters like, can you draw that expression and sell it and make it like exist in a three dimensional world? That's all. It, that's all it really is. And you've seen, I think, uh even Todd McFarlane, who worked on Spider Man and did Spawn. He was like, when I started, I was not good at this. Not good at all. All all I had to rely on was my degree in graphic design, which is not at all... You, you need like architecture skills and anatomy skills and a lot of traditional art skills to do good, clean, uh, attractive comic book work. But he was like, I just learned that as I went along, but relied on my graphic design skills and then slowly started to merge the two together and what would eventually become his style that he... Uh, Put onto the spider-man and spawn books that he did but uh yeah that's the interesting thing about comics is you have a lot of artists who run the gamut as far as uh talent you got you got these guys on the the spectrum that don't appear to be as good like like jeff lemire but can Arguably, give you more con- story content-wise in their art, and then you got you got the guys that run all the way to like incredibly talented, clearly knows their anatomy really well, and can render the hell out of an image, but maybe is a little more of a boring storyteller. Like, like I love Jim Lee, but every Jim Lee character looks the same.
2: Yeah, and, he, yeah.
0: and the angles are kind of the same too. But yeah,
1: and like people like David Finch, I I dislike David Finch because he doesn't have a wide range of like expressions. He puts on people's faces or their postures are all the same. It's just, it's always about like, let me show how much, how much muscle I've memorized when I've studied anatomy and stuff. It's like, it doesn't (laughs) matter. It's like, I don't, this, if you're, if you're trying to draw average Joe, I, he doesn't need to be, have all his fucking muscles hanging out. You know what I mean? It's like, do something a little more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: i what love I, jeff lemire i he's great I, I remember reading uh i think my first exposure to him might have been animal man but reading um oh fuck what was that book you had in the back of your car by his
1: it was fuck i know exactly what you're talking about it that's a fucking sad book too oh my um,
0: god i read it on the we were, were we going to see dark knight rising we were, yeah. we were going to Billy's parents' timeshare. That's right. And it was like a a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive, and Dom and I were in your backseat, and I just picked yeah. up this book and started reading it. Uh, it was East... Sub- oh, fuck, what was it? God damn it. It was I'm so... A, I'll look it up. You keep talking. It was so good, and it was just... The thing, the thing I love about Jeff Lemire is that... Like when you first see his work, you're like, "Oh wow, this is a very unique style," um, and it's almost a little, I think, too abstract for most people, or Essex not for most. Essex County. People. Essex County. Holy shit, that was heartbreaking. But he, the emotion that comes through in his work is just unbelievable. Mm. Um, yeah. And some like, have you read Underwater Welder that he wrote yep. a couple of years? Oh my god, it's, it's so good.
1: I was at, um, I think it was North Carolina Comic Con. The day that book released, and I um, went up to his table, bought it from him, and had him sign it. And like he did a little drawing. He, I didn't even ask him to. He just did a little drawing in the book. What? Oh, I'm
0: yeah. jealous! That's awesome. I was.
1: I was like, I don't need to know anything about this. I love you. This is new. I'm. Uh, give me one now. That's that's amazing. He's a cool guy. At the time, Animal Man had just been coming out too, and Billy, our friend Billy, asked him as he was signing my book. He was like, so does like animal man's wife prefer doggy style or <laughs> and i don't remember how he responded no. but he thought was, he, he thought it was pretty funny and he, he responded in a funny way
0: yeah but that's the thing like coming across like if you don't know billy you're probably yeah. like this fucking guy but if you know him yeah. you know he's being an asshole like he's doing it on purpose
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> he's just fucking with you so he
1: that's was amazing. yeah he was actually pretty cool about it but, yeah, Jeff Lemire is great.
0: Dude, yeah, and um, did you read After Death?
1: I'm in the middle of it right now. Oh, it's, it's a super interesting book.
0: Dude, it's heavy. I bought did, – did you buy, like, the collection or did you
1: – Yeah, I bought the, the whole the, – it has all three books in it, Yeah, the hardcover.
0: I, I bought it month to month, and they came out in this giant magazine form. Mm-hmm. Like it. And the, th- the crazy thing about After Death, which is written by Scott Snyder and illustrated by Jeff Lemire, is yeah. that they wanted to do something different as far as how, how the story is presented. Um, yeah. So you'll get two or three pages of just dialogue, like a written book, like just words. And then you'll get these wonderful illustrations from Jeff Lemire. Um, mm mm-hmm. And it's almost like what Scott Snyder's writing is a lot of before all this stuff happened. And then Mm -hmm. what we're seeing from from when Jeff Lemire starts illustrating it is like, quote-unquote, present day. Uh, But, man, it is heavy stuff. It deals with life and death and regret and holy shit. Like, it's so good, Um, but... That's another one that I bought month to month. And I'm like, Scott Snyder, like, I wish I waited on this because there was a gap between, I think, books two and three had a really serious delay. Mm -hmm. So, like, by the time I bought book three, I was like, what happened? Like, I forgot because, like, three months had gone by and this very dense storyline. Yeah. Um, So, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm in the middle of that right That's now, tough. I'm enjoying it. It's it's caught me off guard cuz it's like half novel, half yep. actual comic book. Yeah. Um, I thought that I think it's super unique. I don't I don't want to see that implemented in a big way, but it's no. it's a feels appropriate. It's only it feels issues. really appropriate for the story that they're telling.
0: Yeah, and also when I read a comic, I, I, I have a I have a rough idea on how long it's going to take me to finish it. When I pick up an issue, I'm like, all right, I could get this done in like 10 minutes maybe. Yeah. Depends on the artist, depends on the writer and how long the comic is. Sometimes it's going to yeah. be way quicker. Sometimes it'll be closer to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but with After Death, and I primarily read before I go to bed at night, each issue of After Death took me like three or four sittings to, to read it because of how yeah. mu- those, those sections where it's almost like a novel and there's so much text. It's very yeah. different, but it's yeah. it's so good. And uh, next time I see Scott Snyder, which I think is going to be in the fall at New York Comic Con, I'm going to tell him he did a good job. Because that book is very different from most of what he's done. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And speaking of Scott Snyder, I did want to bring up Witches, mm-hmm. which is awesome. No pun intended. Yeah. Should I say Witches?
1: Yeah, I heard it. I heard that it. was
0: not intentional. I'm not that clever. <laughs> um, but that was my introduction, or not my introduction, but the first time I realized I really enjoyed the art of Jock. Yeah. And he did the art for Black Mirror, which is the Batman story that Scott Snyder wrote. Yep. Um, his fucking artwork, I've become a little bit, I don't want to say obsessed with it, but like every time he put something out, his his cover for metal that you sent me mm-hmm. oh my god batman's got his fur collar and shit dude oh fucking yeah. his variants that he was doing for all star batman were unbelievable mm-hmm. yeah like batman just kicking two face right in the face or chainsawing through the title of the comic like he's his- got a
1: he has a deceptively simple style which is actually pretty detailed it just it just looks like there's not as much work that goes into it, but man, he is excellent
0: if you I if can't you, if you look closely at the image, there's so much going on if you hold yeah. it up to your face, they put out an artist proof edition of witches
1: mm.
0: have you seen it? no so a normal comic book is like what like ten eleven inches tall
1: they're
0: mm. not terrible it,
1: they're. They're like eight by 11. That's yeah. normal paper size.
0: They put out an artist proof version of witches that was almost twice the height and width. Yeah. It was like a mag- huge version of it. Um,
1: I think the paper that they actually draw on ranges from like 11 by 15 to 11 by 18.
0: Yeah. So it's the actual size of the paper that he drew on. So it's yeah. like the, uh, the absolute editions that DC puts. You know how they're huge? yeah it's kind of like that where it's like just a bigger version a better uh image of the original artwork and they did that for volume one of witches but but they've, they've said they've started working on volume two um so that's going to be coming out uh, in the next couple months so
1: cool that's totally the sort of thing that could have just been like a one-off um, i'm glad they're going to continue to do
0: it mm-hmm. and i think didn't they say they've uh I think that is being adapted, or at least the someone bought the rights to adapt it. Um, and I know After Death, someone bought the rights to adapt it as well. I don't know if sure. it'll ever That'd happen. Be a good movie, but yeah, they announced that like around the time issue two was coming out of After Death. They're like, "Oh, someone bought the rights to it," and Jeff Lemire and Dude, Scott I Snyder bet. like are the ones that sold it because it's Image.
1: I, I bet that uh, fucking all these TV TV stations and movie studios are just they're just buying up all this shit just in case dude know.
0: what okay so let's talk about uh miller world yeah the is very there, first acquisition that netflix as a company ever had like we're going to buy an entire thing
1: yeah was yeah,
0: mark man. miller's comic book company holy shit that's amazing
1: that that is amazing and uh you can't pick a better partner than Mark Miller right now. I mean, the dude, someone said, and I think this is appropriate, that he is as close as you can get to a modern-day Stan Lee with the amount of shit that he's created, the amount of shit that's come out of this man's mind. And it's
0: good stuff, too.
1: It, it's always good. It's never half-assed. It's never like, I'm just doing this because I fucking can now. It's like it, the dude it comes up with really good ideas and makes a whole like story out of them. And I mean, he did that a lot with when he was working at Marvel in Marvel and DC. But like since he started his own imprint, Miller World, he's made like probably ten really good uh, IPs.
0: Yep. And and like, now
1: fucking Marvel uh, Netflix owns or they have the rights to all that shit. And well,
0: not all of it. Like I think Kingsman is like I think if it's current, if something is currently owned by another company, they yeah. can still make it. But yeah. like. We probably won't see any more Kick-Ass in the next couple of years. And so the rights will most likely, I would say like five years from now, we might get another Hit Girl series. Mm -hmm. It won't be the same girl. It'll be someone else. But like, I think if they don't make it, the rights will go back to Netflix. Um, You know, Kick-Ass will eventually go back to Netflix. Uh, We might see a wanted television series that Netflix might make in the next couple of years if Universal isn't actively making that property. Yeah. Isn't that how that works with IPs? Like that's yeah, why I they fin- go
1: away if you don't use them.
0: Yeah, that's why. Like we get like shitty Fantastic Four things because Fox has to make something every now and then. Yeah, or it'll go back to Marvel. Which please let it go back to Marvel. Um, please God. But you know, Doctor Doom. Maybe. I, be even good. though
1: I am intrigued by a Doctor Doom movie and Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, they oh. get him.
0: whoa, my God, that'd be amazing.
1: He's. Uh, they already talked to him about it. They're like, "Would you do this?" And he was like, "Yeah, why not." Oh. he's not, like, confirming that he's had talks. There was just, like, someone that was interviewing and was like, you know, these, these villain-based movies are, they're starting to be the new thing. Do you think you'd, you like, be interested in doing Doctor Doom after they announced that they were doing Doctor Doom? And he was like, yeah, sure. Oh. And, like, Dude, can you just the sure? night... The night before, I was having a talk with Sam's brother, and we were dreamcasting Doctor Doom, and I said, Maz Mickelson and no one else. And, uh, and...
0: What else are you going to say? Dude, he's fucking perfect. Can you imagine him having a scene with fucking anyone on the Netflix shows, or anyone in the MCU? Well, yeah. okay, I can't say that, because he was in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, but, like, just picture his fucking Doctor Doom. Oh. A boy yeah, can dream. It
1: would, be, it would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen's great. Oh, dude. And then not to get too off the subject, but the rights, the sounds of the lambs, uh, are expiring, which means that they've started potential talks for another run of Hannibal.
1: Yep. Please oh, do.
0: Please do. So, um,
1: all the same cast and crew. Yeah.
0: All right, so I know we pretty much talked, touched on most of what we wanted to talk about with comics. I wanted mm-hmm. to point out just a couple things that you recommended to me mm-hmm. um, that when I was reading like superhero comics and you were like, "Hey, check this out. This one's a little different I, I, first and foremost, I want to say preacher yep, um incredible book, unbelievable run, beginning at middle and end. Like the the show aside, the show's turning into something pretty good at this point. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: I can't recommend those comics enough to people who just want to read something great and different and badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh so good. Um, and I never would have read it if it weren't for you. Like mm-hmm. literally handing me the books. Another thing mm-hmm. you literally handed me was "Why the Last Man," written by Brian yeah. Kavan. Who did the art and why?
1: Uh, it's a female artist named Pia Guerrera. So
0: very good, very good run as well. I know that adaptation has been in development hell, but the comics are amazing. So yeah. there you go. Um, uh, another incredible series you gave to me to read was uh, Starman.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Starman. Wow. Oof.
0: And Starman, like I knew, I literally knew nothing about it at all. And do you want to say anything about Starman?
1: I didn't know anything of Starman going into it either. I just had a friend that was like, this is incredible. Check it out. And then I started reading it. And Starman is actually like a long running DC, like a mainstream DC superhero. Um, But they updated him and made it more of like, imagine it's not like Game of Thrones at all, but imagine that same sort of lineage where like you have your father and you, and you, you like your family's important and that family lineage is the Starman hero and they're like trying to pass it on to some to, to, from son from one son to another, but he's like totally against it. He doesn't want to do it at all. So instead of like having like a spandex suit, he's like, I, all right, it, it convinces him to do it. He's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. And he like has this fucking cool leather jacket and fucks around with the star rod in in a way that makes sense for him and wears like goggles and shit. Just like it's a, it's a main, it, w- it was published as a main DC book but was run like an independent book.
0: Yeah, so it was like a Vertigo book, right? It yeah, felt like so a Vertigo
1: book. It felt like a Vertigo book, but it was a main, I mean, it was a mainstay DC book. Like, it's printed it under DC, so. Um, you get to get these really, these tighter, more emotional uh, character-driven stories that's more present in, a, in an independent book, but it, you got to play with all the big DC characters. So, like, almost every big Character pops up at some point or another, um, but they they're like side characters in this big story. All right, um, can
0: you guess my favorite recurring DC character in Starman?
1: Solomon Grundy. Yep. Yeah, he's pretty. He's a pretty big part of that story.
0: And uh, I believe gay at one point, or my I...
1: probably I don't know.
0: I think I thought maybe, but like, but different. Like, and every time you, you know, because Solomon Grundy would resurrect in a different way and so that he yeah. wasn't the same uh throughout the whole run right yeah but oh so good and i remember reading it i'm like this is so different but it's it's also very good yep it's like you could tell it's written by someone who understands good story and drawn by people there's a t- tony harris sorry right mm-hmm. yeah uh, who who like knows how to tell a story with his images mm-hmm. um so like it communicates very effectively to the reader. Uh, but it's it's very, very good. So that was one I wanted to point out. And um, I never would have touched it had it not been for you. Yeah. Um, uh, Scalped was another one by Jason Aaron. Yeah.
1: I think Jason Aaron flies under the radar. But I think Jason Aaron is quite possibly the best writer working in comics right now. If you look at Jason Aaron's body of work, he has run the... Ga- he can do any genre. He has run the fucking gamut. He's done something like Southern Bastards, which is like a soup, and, and like Scalped, which is like they're both incredibly grounded crime dramas. And then he'll go as far left Four. as <laughs> as like... Not even Thor, but like Doctor Strange. And it, the quality retains. Like a not, not a lot of writers can like flip-flop genres like that. And uh-huh. Jason Aaron has literally touched... Every single bit of like, I'm gonna do all these different stories. Even like his X Men run is fucking weird. They like go inside of a person at some point, and they're like, they're like fucking immune systems being attacked by these mutants that can like shrink down to like whatever size. Um, it's crazy. Like he's crazy talented, and I feel like people don't talk about him enough. The other people that do get talked about, like Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire and stuff, like they totally deserve. Every, all the praise they get but i think jason aaron is someone who's not touted and praised enough i think yes yeah. he's probably one of the most prolific and quite possibly we'll have to see as time goes on uh the best writer that's working right now yeah
0: so yeah so he did scalped which was excellent um yeah so
1: scalped, what- is, scalped is so unique too because it's about like you get you get a real insight into like the way Native Americans live in this country, and yeah, it's, fuck, dude, it's, it's really sad, really
0: sad. And yeah, I never knew much about that sort of thing. And so reading yeah. Scout, Scal- like, there's some. Sometimes you read a book and it's just it's kind of like he- lifting something very heavy. It's exhausting. And Scout, yeah. I felt like was that it was good. It was it was well written, beautifully illustrated, but it was like heavy stuff and it wasn't like oh i'm going to read the latest issue of batman it was like fuck this is like this is a really serious thing this is a people that had their land taken away from them alcoholism yeah. and crime and just casinos and heritage and honor and responsibility like there's so much going on there um yeah very good Just the fucking
1: the the journey that main the main character goes through, man. He goes down into the depths of like a personal hell. Oh yeah, and yeah, I I really enjoyed where all of those characters ended up by the end of that book.
0: Mm -hmm. So, so you mentioned Jason Aaron. I listed my top four favorite writers and my top four favorite artists. I say four because I couldn't mm-hmm. think of a fifth. Yeah, which I, I could, but like instinctively, I got the four very easily. So I picked yeah. four, and I'm going to list That's those true. off to you. Sure. Um. So writers, I will say Scott Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um. Brian Azzarello. Yeah. Brian K. Vaughn, and I will say uh, Tomasi, Peter Tomasi. Yeah,
1: Peter Tomasi is another one that goes under the radar. So I will say that.
0: He goes under the radar. So, okay, so we were talking about um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's run in the new 52. What about him and Pat Gleason's run?
1: Yeah, the Batman and Robin run.
0: Holy shit. They made me love Damian Wayne. Whenever mm-hmm. you hear someone shit on Damian, it's because they didn't read their run. Yeah, which humanized Bruce's ability to be a father with Damian. Yeah, and they took it away from us, dude. I cried. I fucking cried when I read a comic. Never mm. happened until I read the 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 after Damian was killed.
2: Mm.
0: After Damian was killed. They, Peter Tomasi and Pat Gleason did an issue of Batman and Robin where it was just Batman dealing with Robin's death by going yeah. out and fighting crime and being Batman, but there no one talked. There was no dialogue. There were no thought bubbles. Every yeah. panel was communicating an emotion to you, something that Bruce was going through at the time or something yeah. that Alfred was going through or even the dog. Like everyone was dealing with the fact that Damien had been killed and it was heartbreaking and beautiful and holy shit. Like I will never respond to an issue of a comic like I did to that. That was unbelievable. And I feel like, yes, everyone who read it like agrees, but their run start to finish was unbelievable. And look at what they're doing now with Superman.
1: I've only read the first issue of that, but I like where they're going with it.
0: You didn't get the trades,
1: not yet. I'm working on it.
0: Please get them. I I will give you the money. The Richard Dove money back guarantee.
1: <laughs> no, I know they're good. I'm. I they're on my list and everything. Oh, they're
0: right. so good. And unfortunately, the DC Rebirth schedule has been grueling. I don't know why they were insisted on putting out two issues a month. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you end up getting a lot more of those breaks where it's not the same artist on yeah, the issue. That's
1: what I don't like, man. I, I don't.
0: Love. I don't. I don't. But it's, it's oh my god! There's their Superman run. I've read the first two trades, and I'm getting the the third ish, the third trade at some point in the next week or two. Um, yeah. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. It's so. Yeah, good. I'm
1: definitely gonna get it. You yeah. know, it's just. Right now, the way I've been getting back into comics, it's I've not been reading any superhero stuff. I'm not. I'm not really ready to take that on again yet. Yeah. With with how everything is, yeah. Especially with DC following Marvel's trend of trying to do two books a month, uh-huh. and the unfortunate side effect of that is, is that you know, there is no Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run on things anymore. You know, I I really loved that when that was the thing. Like the Brian Michael Bendis, Alex Malev run on Daredevil, the fucking uh, Ed Brubaker. Um, whatever the guy's name is, run on Captain America. What is his name? Fucking it's- <laughs> I can almost see it. Uh, Steve Epting. That's his name. Or or the the you know Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips when they do shit together. Um, we're we're losing that now in mainstream comics. The the yeah. run the run on certain characters by a creative team because now they have to work with two art teams to keep up with a two issue a month uh, yeah schedule and it's like it's just it's you can't, heartbreaking it's it hard
0: to, to it's so hard to, to i can't buy a story like as much as i love uh, so many different artists when i've got one writer telling me a story and i, I switch from artist to artist on different issues like it throws mm. you off i'm sorry mm. but like i'm not shitting on anyone's talent But it would be like in the middle of a movie if you switch to a different director of photography.
2: Mm.
0: It's going to look different and it's weird.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like imagine in the middle of a movie switching from like Guillermo del Toro does the first half and Christopher Nolan does the second half. They're both (laughs) amazing filmmakers, right? If they were making the same film, it'd be terrible because they do not have the same style in any way, shape or form. So that's really what it, it comes yeah. off across. It's either that or like imagine if a different actor just played the part in the second half of the movie. Sometimes <laughs> you know because of the way they draw and the way everyone draws these characters. Like Greg Coppola draws Batman super differently, and he's talked about it before. It's because he wants the the helmet or the the cowl to look like a helmet rather than just like something that closely yeah. hugs the face. But and so if, if someone you look else... at
0: his Clark Kent and his Superman, like mm-hmm. his faces aren't terribly different. They're not. Yeah. Like I love Greg Capillo. I'm in no way shitting on anything he does. Mm-hmm. But his people don't look terribly different from one another. Yeah. His his like noses always look the same way. And mm-hmm. I know you know what I'm talking about. Like picture a Greg Capillo nose.
1: If they're not uh I know exactly what you're talking about. If they're yeah. not uh either the main character or the main villain the way that their schedule works, they don't have a lot of time to suss out those yeah. societies.
0: Yeah, which is, I'm not, again, like, I don't want to shit on anyone, but, like, yeah. it that's...
1: I'm just saying that's, like, a side effect of the schedule. Uh-huh. Because remember when he drew Riddler, and Riddler has such a unique look on his face, and especially, like, the upturned nose was so intentional, because yeah. that's what he does. His, 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 uh his attitude is so smug that he's constantly like turning his nose up at people and be like, I'm the smart, I'm the smartest guy in this room. Yeah. You don't, you got nothing on me. And it was such a smart design move to, um, to do that and make it not look ugly. was mm-hmm. an achievement on his part. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So in keeping in tradition, Richard Dove, okay. With me recommending stuff to you, that's amazing. Oh. And how everyone should always take my advice all the time. Well, wow. I on every subject no matter what it is, especially yes. politics. Okay. Um, I'm going to recommend a book to you that I picked up last week when I thought metal was coming out and then I realized oh. it was the week after, so I had to get something <laughs> while I was there. Yeah. Um it's a book called 7 to eternity. Have is you heard it of this book?
0: 7 spelled out or yeah. the number? Spelled out. Okay.
1: Seven 2 Eternity. It's by Rick Remender, who Oh,
0: yeah, I heard about this.
1: Uh is everything I think everything he writes, creator owned, is worth reading.
0: Is it um, it's like is the trade out already?
1: Yeah, the first trade is out. Highly recommend that you get this. Um the artwork's incredible in it, but the story is ridiculously fun. Um And the best way I can describe it is it's like a high fantasy Western 310 to Yuma. Okay. That's all you need to know. It's a high fantasy. It's got all like crazy, like pixies and shit. And everyone uh-huh. has like these powers and there's a whole structure to the world. And, but it's got like a, it's got like a game of Thrones importance on like family and heritage and like honor and shit like that. Um, and a sense of history as well. But um, it also
0: has Christian Bale and Russell Crowe in it.
1: Exactly. Nice. Christian Bale could could play the main character if he wanted to in a movie.
0: Well, I need to make an Amazon order uh for more comics in the next couple of weeks, so it will be on the list. That Do with on on that order will be volume three of Paper Girls. Nice. Um volume three of Tomasi and Gleason's Superman for a new fifty two mm-hmm. or sorry, uh rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was one more. Oh! I'm really digging Azrael's Wonder Woman from Rebirth. I know you're not in... You said, you said you're not into superheroes right now, but...
1: You mean Greg Rucka?
0: Rucka. Sorry. Ugh. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yes. Greg Rucka's uh, Wonder Woman was really good.
1: I've heard it's excellent.
0: And I didn't expect to... I'm like, oh, you can't follow up Azraelo and Chang's Wonder Woman, like I was already kind of just, uh. And then I read it and I was like, oh shit, this is
1: good. Yeah, Greg Rooker ain't nothing to fuck with. He's top tier. As much as I feel like there's people we've glossed over and things I would have liked to touch, I feel like this is a pretty good good episode. Good way to end the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. If we can go on forever, I don't want to do that. Because no yeah. one's probably listening as it is. But, uh, yeah. Um, so... Just just to just to let you know where I'm at currently right now, I still buy Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been buying every issue of All Star Batman. That's wrapping up pretty soon. I've loved it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna get those trades.
0: Oh, the 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 first two arcs were really good, um, and I'm digging the most recent one. And uh, Metal is shaping up to be pretty cool. So I did
1: actually buy that. That's the only thing. That's the first single issue of something I've bought, and probably. A year or so,
0: yeah. I bought the two like lead ups. It was Dark Days Casting and the Forge,
2: mm.
0: or sorry, the Forge and Casting and Metal, which are all blacksmith references. Um, yeah. But man, we get see Aquaman with a beard again, which is pretty great. And yep, spoilers: there might be Plastic Man somewhere in there.
1: Oh, I hope so. Sam will be happy about that.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I was like. I don't know a lot about Plastic Man, but I, I, I was pretty sure I, I think where that's where something is going, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool.
1: Cool, yeah, that'd so, be awesome.
0: Yeah, I like comic books, and uh, I would not be where I am reading them currently if it were not for you, Keith Silverman. So thank you for all of your recommendations. You're welcome. They have been I'll never stop recommending stuff
1: to you.
2: I'll never stop. Don't stop. Don't stop, won't stop, uh-uh, uh-uh.